You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Thursday mornings, or you can check us out in audio format wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Clergy. Uh, We are back with week two of our series called Red Letter Conversations, where we are going to analyze and look at the ongoing uh, sort of formation process, discipleship process that we're doing here at King of Kings. And so we're very glad to have you with us. Uh, If it's your first time joining, uh, welcome. And if you've been with us before, uh, make sure you you get caught up on our, our Red Letter Conversations. You can find those on in podcast form, wherever you find your podcast, or in video form uh, on YouTube or Facebook, or uh, Thursdays at 11. If you're here live, you know that. If you're not, then that's where you can catch us live. Uh, so I'm Pastor Scott Pitch. I'm Benjamin Simmons. I'm our uh, Youth and Family Life Ministry Director. Yeah, so he's uh, here to joining us today, sitting in for Pastor Doug, who's got some other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. We thought uh, it, it was a great opportunity for Benjamin to sit in with us. He's been through uh, Red Letter Challenge this is your third time, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, he's he's kind of got a good grasp of the whole process and can help us see the the forest from the trees a little bit, so to speak, <laughs> of this red letter challenge that we find ourselves in. Um, before we begin, though, let's open with a prayer and invite God to be with us in our conversation today. Dear Heavenly Father, I give thanks to you and I praise your holy name, knowing that uh, you are a God who who is uh, over us. Uh, but also with us and in us, empowering us to do your will. God, I thank you for your uh, invitation to join you today in your word. I pray that uh, as we wrestle with the topic of uh, forgiveness and, um, and tolerance and judgmentalness and those kinds of topics, that you'll allow us to, uh, to freely um, consume, digest your word so that it would strike home in our lives. I thank you for Benjamin joining us. I thank you for all those who are watching uh, either on video or podcast. I thank you for their time uh, in, in reflection in God's word and pray that you would bless that time. Uh, but most of all, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who uh, showed us what it means to forgive, uh, that it means taking up your cross in some ways. It means turning to the the thief on the cross next to him and saying to him, uh, saying to to you, Father, forgive him for they do not know what they are doing. And so we pray, God, that you'll help us to learn from his example today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So as we dig in today, before we get to the topic of of forgiveness, I thought it would be a good idea for us to kind of pause and reflect on this past week. Uh, We did the week one topic of being, Mm -hmm. uh, which was, I think was a great way to begin. Frankly, I think if we, if we dove in in any other place without focusing on our identity in Christ, then that would have been a a misstep. So I'm glad that, uh, that, uh, Pastor Zinder and the, and the crew who assembled this material started there. So, um, reflections, things that, that we've seen. Have you seen anything of, co- of note or to comment on? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think being's a great way to start into this, uh, this study. I'd, like I said, I've done it three times. So 
It's been interesting each time. I feel like now you get something different and a different angle from everything. Yep. Uh, I will say today's the hardest day, the fasting, <laughs> fasting. if you're following along. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I thought I was going to fast from coffee, um, and then I started coffee. reading this morning, and I was drinking coffee, and I was like, well, I <laughs> guess it's not coffee today. <laughs> but yeah. No, no, it's been it's been great. Good to see this connecting with people in our congregation, and sure. um, always great to learn again for myself. You know, just reconnect with this. So definitely. I guess um, the thing I've seen is that the the week one um, focus on being, it's really where the the grind of the challenge kind of begins, right? Mm-hmm. That you want to acknowledge that it's much easier to just go to bed early or sleep in late or whatever it is, and, and just avoid yeah. doing the things. Because it can be a bit of a grind, and that's where it's a good reminder, this, this identity, this being thing in the beginning, that you're not doing this as just another thing to do. You're doing it in, in an effort to, to be connected to Christ, to, mm-hmm. to reaffirm and strengthen your identity in Him. And so um, my hope is that for those who are feeling the, you know, the one-week blues of the challenge a little bit, and you're kind of feeling the grind, um, talk, talk to people who, who are also in the challenge, um, get involved in the small group, reach out to your pastors, um, talk to your family members who are also doing the challenge, um, try to find the fun in it. I mean, there's each of the challenges can be, yeah, a little, uh, but there's also kind of a fun element to them as well that, that you, you kind of see if you can do them, you know, you kind of see if you can, if you can stay every day and do the thing every day. Yeah. Now I, I admit it on Sunday, and I'll, I'll readily admit again. I there's been there's been some times where it's like I, I don't got it today, right. you know. But but you you make up for it, right? Mm-hmm. The next day you you get caught up, you do two instead of one. Um, but the the encouragement I have is don't allow yourself to just say eh, I missed one. I guess I'm out. Right. Don't tap out. You know, stay in it. Uh, reach out, find support, find helpers, find fellowship with people who are doing the same thing you are. Um, challenge yourself and see and see what God is doing during these these forty days. I think that's my encouragement. So well, and I think it's interesting because uh, the being activities that we've been doing, the challenges we've started, it's kind of an ongoing habit that we start through this. Whereas some of the other challenges might be just one thing, or you might go, you know, you might try it that day, and then if it doesn't stick, you know, it's that week we tried these challenges, but mm-hmm. today or. The being week is like these are things we're instilling to keep doing through the red letter challenge and trying after those things. So just an, it's a different week than other ones, but it is, I yeah. like it. Yeah. Any good stories or God sightings from last week that you had? Yeah, I had um, a few families uh, that were sharing how it seems like the red letter challenge has been a good thing for them to do as a whole family. So yeah. with a- various ages of kids and uh, other family members, it's just neat to see that that's connecting with people. It's been a good um, opportunity for them to have family devotions and mm-hmm. such. Uh, and then with the groups I've been leading with youth and uh, young adult group, uh, it's been kind of neat just to see the different age ranges and what people uh, take out of things and like with the questions that come up out of them. Yeah. So. The things they emphasize, right, I think yeah. are interesting. Um, I guess for me, the God sighting that, I, that most sticks out to me is both weeks that we've done Red Letter Challenge, um, my, my son has had a moment randomly during the week <laughs> where I'll say something that will remind him of something he learned. Um, 
and he'll he'll tell me the story. Like mm. um, I said, the word connection, totally unrelated to anything related to church or Red Letter Challenge. I think I was talking about internet connection or something. Oh yeah, being bad, and 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 he said we have to stay connected to Jesus. Like, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, like the vine in the brain. I was like, oh, something stuck <laughs> yeah, with him. Yeah. And he's a three-year-old, so I get it. And right. That's a that to me is kind of a God sighting. It's a personal God sighting. Yeah. I've seen other, I've seen other. Uh, kind of examples of of people sharing with me you know how their first week is going and virtually everyone has been like kind of kind of tongue-in-cheek like uh you know yeah i missed one but i'm I'm catching up i'm keeping up and i think that we can we can celebrate which is mm-hmm. um tomorrow yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can celebrate staying the course um we can we can take an opportunity to sort of say let's Let's keep this thing going. Let's uh, celebrate our victories. Let's not lament over our failings. Let's uh, instead try to overcome them yeah. um, and, and trust in God, right? Trust in that identity that, that we have in Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's week one that we're yeah. still in. Yeah. Uh, we're going to set the stage for week two, which is on, on Sunday we will have uh, the topic of forgiveness is, is at the forefront. So we thought we'd go ahead and dig into the reading um, that we'll be preaching on and that the uh, small groups will gather around and that the readings will be based on uh, in the challenges for next week. So um, that reading is John chapter 8, 1 to 11. And Benjamin, do you want to read that? Sure, yeah. And uh, my translation might sound a little different, but that's all right. Yeah, I like, I like different translations. Yeah, yeah. When we read the Bible sometimes, it helps us see that the words don't always have that they have nuance to them, right? They don't always mean exactly what we think they mean, but they have generally the same uh, sort of way of understanding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, this is John chapter 8, starting from verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, They said to him, This woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him, in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he, uh, one, uh, yeah, starting with the older men. Sorry, <laughs> only he was left with the woman in the center. Then Jesus stood up. He said to her, "Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you?" "No one, Lord," she answered. "Neither do I condemn you." said Jesus. Go from now on and do not sin anymore. All right. So a beautiful image of mercy of Christ, right, that we we have as a a core teaching about forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus and how we are to interact in this world with sin and and frankly how we interact with sinners, right, and ourselves included in that. So what are some initial things we, we see some initial sort of some some words that Jesus speaks or some motifs that you might get from this reading that we can just talk about broadly. Mm. So we see 
first of all, the the um, in the beginning it says that the the um, Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those kinds of guys, they brought a woman caught in adultery, red-handed. Like, yeah, there's no question this woman has done something wrong, right? There's no, but did she or didn't she or is it just rumor mill or no? It's like this this woman uh, has done something horrible. Interestingly. Can she commit adultery alone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Where's the Where's other party? The other party? Yeah. You know, yeah. mysteriously missing from the uh, from the equation. Um, but moving from that, we see that they are they are intentionally bringing this woman to Jesus. So they it kind of like begs the question: Well, did they set this woman up on purpose mm. so as to try to trap Jesus because they knew that he was. Uh, in a position where he would be in public and therefore he would need to respond to it. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? They don't reference it. Um, we can we can assume things, but when you assume things in the scripture, you know what happens when you assume. Right. Um, so we have to be careful about that. But what we can say is wh- whether it be just random happenstance or whether it was a setup, the, the Pharisees think they've got Jesus, right, where they want him, right? They're going to bring him in, bring this woman in. They're going to say... Law of Moses says this, you are not the kind of person who's just going to randomly stone a woman in the middle of the street. We know this. Yeah. So we got you. Like, you're going to have to deny the law of Moses, which will sh- prove that you're not from God, mm-hmm. that you're not the Messiah, that you're not the one that you, you claim to be the virtuous teacher. Yeah. Then Jesus doesn't say anything. Matter of fact, yeah. he turns into a little kid and starts doodling pictures in the dirt. <laughs> Yeah. What in the world are you doing, Jesus? But what he's doing is he's giving time. I think he's giving time for everyone who's listening to reflect on what they would do Mm. under the same circumstance. So he's doodling and everybody's like, come on, Jesus. Like this needs to be addressed. There's sin. There's a sinner. Let's do what we do to sinners. Let's get, get those stones and take care of this. Um, but then more silence more silence and they're like okay then jesus looks up and the only thing he says is the one without sin among if you if anyone is without sin let him be the one to cast the, fo- the first stone at her mm-hmm. why does he say it like that well it's kind of an interesting way of saying you are wanting to kill her because she's a sinner who has committed a sin who among you standing around watching right now and who among us talking and listening right now can say that we are not sinners who have not sinned? Mm-hmm. Her sin is very public. It's, it's very clear that there are consequences for such a sin. It's uh, Certainly the law speaks about what we should do to um, folks who sin. Um, and this is where Jesus steps in and says there's a new way that we're operating. Yeah, um, I'm in the world now. There's a new way that we're operating, and and it's not it's not against the law of Moses. It's the fulfillment of the law of Moses. Um, so he shows that by being the one who is without sin, who by all accounts and all rights should have the the um, pure and undeniable responsibility and right of way to pick up a stone and stone this sinful woman and stone everyone there for being sinners too chose not to be uh, a, a judge or an executioner, 
but instead to to be a merciful brother, mm -hmm. um, defender to this woman. So, after they all hear this, one by one, they trickle away. There's no big upheaval. There's no big argument that they can try to put down that would challenge Jesus' theology or anything like that. They're all just like, uh. Their minds immediately went to the fact, it's like, whatever their pet sin is, which we all know our own pet sins. We all know the things that we like to try to keep swept under the rug. And maybe Jesus has given them the Jesus eyes. I'm looking around at each person, like, let you who is without sin, let you who is without sin cast the yeah. first stone. It's like, you know, you're right. I, I have sins. I have things I do. I have temptations, which I'm, I fall prey to all the time. And I, I can't, I can't be the one to cast the stone. Mm -hmm. Somebody else can maybe, but I can't. So they trickle away one by one. Kind of a, a fizzling out, a, a, a weak presentation of these Pharisees who are, who are law people, right? right? Who are yeah. here to deliver on the law of Moses. Yeah. Uh, then the only people who are left are Jesus and this accused woman. She could have just walked away, like, cool, I'm, I got away with that, it's got free. But instead she's like, okay, I'm going to stay here with this guy who just, uh, you know, saved my bacon, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. She wouldn't have said that as a Jewish woman, but you know. <laughs> um, That's true, yeah. And then Jesus looks up at her and says, woman, where are they that, who, that have condemned you? Obviously he knows they're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so she says, no one, sir. That's the only thing she says the whole time. No one, sir. Jesus says, so I don't condemn you either. But then he goes on and says, go now and leave this life of sin. Mm. So there's some interesting things we can talk yeah. about there. Yeah. I guess the, the first question is, what can be learned about the nature of forgiveness from this depiction of Jesus and the woman in John chapter 8? So what do you think, Benjamin? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think Jesus shows himself as such a great teacher in this moment where, you know, he kind of does, he gives that space for just thinking in that mm -hmm. space. Uh, I talk a lot in classes uh, with when you're learning about teaching and how important it is to give silence. Yeah. Like how a lot of times, especially with, you know, middle schoolers or high schoolers, it makes them kind of uncomfortable and you sit in silence. But Jesus knows how to play on that, you know, mm -hmm. and he, uh, he brings that... Uh, really to mind when he's just starting to write on the ground and making them think about those things. Um, and I think it shows, you know, he doesn't join the gossip and accusing. Uh, and um, if you read earlier in John, he talks about how the Son of Man did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Mm -hmm. And so kind of John already sets up this theme for readers uh, going through this, that, you know, Jesus... It's not his mission to be the one who is uh, to condemn, but be the one to save. Yeah. But um, interestingly, he is also the judge who will separate yeah. the goats and the sheep. So yeah, he is the one too. who will condemn. Right. But his mission yeah. on earth here exactly. is to save. Mm -hmm. and, and his his primary nature in this instance is, is to save, not to condemn. But right. he's God and God can That's condemn. True. That's you true. Know? So we got to be... Aware of that as well. Right, right, yeah, yeah, and he portrays his his love through through this in that way. You know that he can, um, he has the ability to condemn, mm -hmm. and he knows that that is his. You know, ultimately, he has that power, 
And yet he still has that deep love. And I'd say deep love not only for the woman, but for the crowd as well. Sure. And just how he reflects, you know. And for the reader. At that and point, the reader, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And us reading now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So let's think about this. How does Jesus avoid the, the trap that's being set for him by the Pharisees to condone sinful behavior uh, while at the same time not falling prey to condemning um, a sinner for their sin. Mm-hmm. So, so essentially, find that, find, how does Jesus find that balance between saying, it's not a big deal that she committed adultery, let her go, or saying, you're right, she's sin, let's pick up some stones and let's get rid of her right now. So how does he strike a balance there? Yeah, I think he uh, does a good job of just acknowledging sin for what it is, mm. you know, and kind of laying down... They are completely justified to say she has been sinful. Mm-hmm. You know, they are justified to say, sure, in the law of Moses, right there, <laughs> stoning is uh, the next uh, solution to this this problem, this situation. Um, so, you know, he doesn't shy away from the fact that it is still a sinful act. Um, but I just think it's it's interesting too. Then he brings to mind, okay, what are the other sinful things in the law of Moses, you know, what did you do today that was also in the law of Moses that you, you shouldn't covet? Have done? Did you yeah. look at someone with bad eyes? Did you say something that was inappropriate and scandalous? Did you take right. the name of the Lord? In vain? Yeah, like any one of those. Did you not honor your father and your mother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was the other guy or person in this situation there? You know, is there uh, there? That person also feeling that, oh, okay, I was a part of this too, you know, and sinful. Um, so I think the importance, you know, in that is that Jesus brings to light sin, you know, and he shows sin for what it is. Kind of the purpose of the law and, you know, in our catechism understanding, right, yeah. the law reveals sin to us. Yep. Um, and so Jesus uh, clearly lays that out mm-hmm. um, and just how... Yeah. Yeah, I just I think it's a beautiful way of dissecting law and gospel. You could mm-hmm. you could as a very uninformed critique of Jesus here, if you took this out of context, you could say, Look, Jesus doesn't care at all about the law, right? Mm-hmm. The law clearly says if there's an adulterous woman she should be stoned, the law of Moses. So what does Jesus essentially say here? Is he saying that the law doesn't matter anymore? Is he what we would call an antinomian, a person who's against the law? Well no. He's he is the one who has come to fulfill the law. So we, we know for a fact he's not just poo-pooing the law of Moses away. He knows the law of Moses, and it's written. He's the word of God, so it's literally him who's speaking it. So how do we, how do we like, say, how do we reconcile that? You know, Jesus is the one who, who the law is, is within him, and he is the one who gives it to us. He's the lawgiver. But he, here he withholds the full extent of the the, fero- the ferocity of the law, the full the full weight of the punishment of the law. He doesn't meet out on this woman, even though he could have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we praise Jesus for that because we acknowledge if the law was the only word that was written, right. we're all in big trouble because <laughs> we're yeah. all sinners. Yeah. So we definitely have this uh, beautiful depiction here pretty early in Jesus's ministry that he is not here to to slam people down with the law. The law matters. The law is still written on our heart. When we violate it, we still have to pay the consequences for it.
but he took that consequence onto himself through his death on the cross. Mm. And, and that ministry of, of mercy and grace, it, it, it begins when he is born, but it, you see it exemplified even early in his ministry here. Right, yeah. All right, uh, next question. How can we practice forgiveness of others? First, by confronting the reality of sin, and second, by avoiding condemnation of sinners in the same way Jesus did. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, it brings me, uh, my mind connected kind of to that. Um, in Romans, Paul talks a lot about that idea of, like, what do we do if sin, you know, is the law, but Jesus came to fulfill the law? So, what, you know, do we keep sinning so grace may abound? There's that, that statement that uh, Paul gives us. And so, you know, there's something to be said that, um, you know, when we confront sin um, and see that sin is there, we know that there is that need for forgiveness uh, and recognizing, obviously, that we all have that need and we all have that um, need for a Savior. Um, so I just think it's, yeah, it, it's that thing where, uh, you know, God kind of lays this out in the way that he uh, gives us Jesus and Jesus' life in his ministry. Um, and as you were talking about the balance between that law and gospel, um, that Jesus is not only the, the law, the founder of our faith, but he's the perfecter of our faith that he, um, you know, he sees that through. So I think when we think of forgiveness in the way um, that we practice that in our lives is, um, you know, I think kind of in some way modeling how Jesus does this is that, you know, we can acknowledge sin and for sin of what it is in our lives and the, you know, the lives of other people, if, you know, if we can see that or whatever. Um, but we can recognize as well that, uh, you know, Jesus has forgiven sin of not only us, of other people, of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it changes our perspective on how we perceive people, how we perceive culture. Uh, if we kind of take that perspective of saying, well, Jesus died for these people, you know, Jesus uh, you know, died for you, died for me, died for all these people. Um, sort of flips you know. the script a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes you, you know, put the stone down mm-hmm. as, as you, as, as it will. So, yeah. So, so let's take it from the theological and kind of broad conceptual to like the very brass tacks practical. We're, we're both married men, right? <laughs> um, and in the first year of marriage, learning how to forgive is very important. <laughs> and it never stops being yeah. important. And I'm sure... People who've been married a lot longer than me, I'm pointing at Larry like uh, he's sitting <laughs> behind the table. Like uh, I just was pointing at the the, yeah. co- the audience of people. Um, it, it's that is an extremely important characteristic of a marriage is that ability to forgive. Um, so that being the case, how could we talk about this? How can we confront the realities of sin in our spouse, in ourselves, in our marriage? Mm or in our families as, as parents, or in our close relationships with people, our friends, our neighbors? Um, how can we confront the reality of the brokenness that comes from the sin that, that we see directly around us, immediately around us? But how can we also then avoid condemning the person? Because frankly, this is a person that we love and, and want to care for, but we can't, we can't gloss over sinful behavior in ourselves or in those around us. But neither can we say, I'm going to just outright condemn you because we have to live with them. Right. <laughs> and we, we're supposed to love them and, yeah. and cherish them, right? So we can't just condemn these people that are around us in our lives. So what do you think about that? How do we kind of make it more hmm. practical, I guess? 
Um, I, th I think, just to share my, my yeah, point yeah. first, I think that w this, this image of, of this narrative, um, you have to be careful bringing this narrative up to your wife because you're comparing to her to an adulterous woman here. <laughs> yeah, that's probably thing. not. <laughs> but what it does show is if we, if we consider ourselves, uh, women can consider themselves this way too, as the Christ in the narrative and, and the other person, uh, the person who has sinned against us and that we need to forgive, or if we put ourselves more, more likely in the shoes of the adulterous woman and we are looking for forgiveness from our significant other or our kids or our neighbors or whatever, it, it informs a little bit, I think, how we approach that, that scenario where we don't come and just scatter ourselves over over the ground saying like woe is me i'm a terrible wretched awful person but we do admit that we're wrong we confront the reality of what we did that's wrong we even call out the reality of what what others have done that is sinful against us in a loving way or against you know a neighbor or a friend or whatever but then we also avoid the making that person into the bad guy right we say you know hey i'm not going to hold it against you i'm not going to I'm not going to take a, a, a tally of all the wrong things that you've done because I'm a sinner too. It would make no sense for me to do so. Mm -hmm. If even Jesus himself, who was not a sinner, who was perfect, chose to withhold judgment, who, who, would, who am I to hold judgment or a grudge against you? Uh, I think that the world would be, our family certainly would be a lot better and our world would be a lot better place if more people, frankly, if more Christians exercise this kind of forgiveness. Um, I think that we would see some, some major changes in the way that we conduct ourselves in the public yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we kind of, I don't know, I feel like we live in a, a culture that has very much forgotten the idea of forgiveness or the need to have forgiveness. Yep. I was actually thinking of this uh, anecdotally. Uh, there's a, so my wife Michelle, she listens to uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> She's kind of been making me uh, listen to it sometimes. And there's this one song um, that sh she says this line, and it's like, uh, forgiveness is a good thing to do. And then this track stops, and she starts laughing. She's like, I can't even say that with a straight face. And mm -hmm. then she sings the chorus. And so I think it reflects, you know, we're in a, we're in a culture that does not value anything about forgiveness and, in fact, values revenge mm -hmm. or the idea of, you know, getting someone getting their just desserts or whatever. Um, you know, so it's forgiveness is, I think, such an important topic of if to. If we were to, to, to offer forgiveness to someone who's offended us, the response on their end wouldn't be, thank you for, for forgiving me. It would mm -hmm. be, how dare you even you know, imply that I might have done something worthy of offending you. Like, right. I'm offended now. Yeah. And it's a battle of who's more offended. Yep. I see that so often in our culture that, that the, the reality of what is right and wrong, uh, anytime you bring up something that, that somebody else might have done that's wrong, it's an attack. It's not, it's not a, it's not that Christians are trying to call sin what sin is and call, call repentance ourselves for repentance and, and call for forgiveness it, it never it never gets to that level almost ever even in even in close personal relationships mm -hmm. you know if you were to if you were to say to someone you're really close with like you hurt me and I forgive you like 
it, the person has to be a pretty big person to say like, thank you for that. Yeah. I did hurt you yeah. and you're right. And yeah. I, I am sorry. And I do forgive yeah. you. No, I'm More likely it's going to be like, what? I didn't hurt you. Yeah. Come on. You hurt me. If anything, you right. know, it's just this battle of, of, uh, who's who's got the moral right and the moral um high ground yes yeah that is such a that is such a disaster zone for for christians because Mm -hmm. that's not what christ did christ did not seek to battle out over who has the moral high ground because frankly he owns it outright right yeah for for him it's not about a battle of seeing who can outmaneuver the other person in the relationship for moral superiority it's about forgiveness it's Mm -hmm. about laying sin out on the table and saying that, 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 I'm sorry for, please forgive me. I forgive you for that, 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 and that, and yeah. it's gone. Yeah. That, that's what brings the healing, I mm-hmm. think. And I think it's, uh, you know, Satan likes to take the one thing that is the crux of our faith, is mm-hmm. forgiveness, and kind of dilute that, you know, make it seem like it's just, uh, okay, you know, yeah, we are forgiven, okay. Yeah. You know, there's not, it doesn't really matter. Or um, the forget about it thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's oh, not a big deal, it's right? It's okay. Just poo-poo yeah. it. Yeah. It's like... That that can't that there are some things like if I leave a dish on the on the thing and somebody gets upset about that, sure, like whatever. Mm. I shouldn't I shouldn't no 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 person in a relationship should have to grovel at the feet and ask for forgiveness or something like that. But there are some real offenses that we that we do um, in our in our daily walk against people that we're close to, and we cannot just sweep those things under the rug. We cannot just say. You know, eh, let bygones be bygones. That's, mm-hmm. that's not what Christ calls us to do. He wants us to admit our wrongs and have others admit their wrongs and let those wrongs yeah. be forgiven. Yeah. Yeah, and if you create a culture of forgiveness, then you have a culture of repentance too. Yeah. You, know, you have to be able to recognize. And that's what this whole, uh, I think the story really helps to put into practice and put into uh, recognition is that balance between you have to recognize your sin but then you also recognize your forgiveness as well. And, um, you know, that's the constant walk of a Christian and walk of our life. Yeah, it's a cycle thing, right? Mm-hmm. Back and forth. Right? Yeah. All right. Um, what comfort does this passage give to us when we are the ones being accused of sin? So if we put ourselves into the shoes uh, here of the, the, the adulterous woman uh, and we still look at, at Christ being the one that forgives, what comfort does this passage give to us? Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I, something that this study will bring out next week, um, and Zender talks a lot about this throughout the week of forgiveness, um, is the idea that it's hard for us to recognize that we are forgiven. Mm. You know, it's, I think it's easy for, easier for us to give out forgiveness than it is to say, okay, the things that you know, I sweep under the rug for myself, those things that you know, I hope nobody figures out, those types of things we've done in our life or maybe continue to do and the things we struggle with that Jesus still has forgiven, will continue to forgive, will, or, you know, not will continue to. He has already done that. Mm-hmm. You know, he has forgiven all those things. Um, and so, you know, I think that that is something that we struggle with, um, you know, just in general. Um, it's interesting you said that because one yeah. of the things I hear a lot is that, that people will say like, um, another person forgave them for something they did, but now what they struggle with is they can't forgive themselves. And mm-hmm. something about that always kind of graded on me. I don't think it's our calling or responsibility necessarily to forgive ourselves. Right. I think the way yeah. you put it is perfect. I think we need to focus on the fact that we are forgiven. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we really mean when we, um, 
when we say when people say in Christian circles that we need to learn to forgive ourselves, it's like I think the better way of thinking of it is Christ has forgiven you. You've gone to your neighbor and asked for forgiveness. If those two parties have forgiven you, you know Jesus will. Mm. And if the other one will too, and even if the other one doesn't, yeah. like your sin has been paid for by the blood of, of Jesus on the cross. You don't need to despair mm-hmm. and find forgiveness within yourself and come to a state of reconciliation on your own merits or right. own like capacity to understand it. It's it's done, and we need to find our comfort and peace not in forgiving ourselves, but in the forgiveness right. that has been afforded yeah. to us by Jesus. I think that's a better way of thinking of it and talking about it. Yeah, and I think that's the comfort that it gives is that Jesus doesn't see the sin anymore, you yeah. know, and that he says, go, you know, you, what is, how does he finish that? Uh, I, neither do I condemn you. Go now and don't sin anymore, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, he, that's how he sees. He's skipping sees ahead because the next. I know, I know. Huh. Is what what command always accompanies the peace and comfort of forgiveness? Right. From verse eleven, it's that that exhortation by Jesus. Now go and sin no more. Yeah. And that's a message for the sinful woman, and we don't know if she did or didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also the command for every person Jesus has ever forgiven, which is everybody, right? Right. When he is when he has paid his lifeblood for the forgiveness of your sins. His command goes with it to mm-hmm. go and sin no more. And so that is the, the sanctified life, right? Yeah. That, that uh, justification comes by grace through faith, through what Christ has done for you and I, through his own lifeblood. But there is also a call towards sanctification, towards good works, towards righteous living mm-hmm. that, once again, will never, will never live up to the caliber that we're called to live, but we right. strive for... Uh, for sanctification, for righteousness, uh, a way a way of life according to those premises, because that's what our Lord, who paid for our forgiveness, that's what He commands. Mm-hmm. And go and sin no more is not easy to do. Yeah. Uh, when we when we have our own pet sins, especially, right? It's like you say, "Ah, God, please forgive me for the thing I've done the thousandth time." Right. And Jesus says, I forgive you a thousand times. Don't let there be a thousand and one. And then there's a thousand and one. You say, God, forgive me for the thousand and first time I've done this. And he says, you're forgiven for a thousand and one. Yeah. Don't do a thousand and two. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that's, that is amazing grace, right? Yeah. It's amazing mercy. Yeah. But it is it, the, 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 call to com- the command and the call to sin no more never ceases. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It is still there for, for we who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes we tend to forget of how much of that power of forgiveness and, um, you know, the gift that Jesus has given us, the grace that he does have in our lives, of how much power that has over temptation and mm-hmm. over sin. You True. know, I think sometimes we get maybe caught in a trap of, you know, yes, we're the same time a sinner and a saint, so I'm going to continue being a sinner and I know that, you know, and we kind of get bogged down in that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but remembering that, you know, Jesus has done that. He has forgiven our sins and it gives us, hopefully gives us that clarity that we can kind of try our, you know, as much as we can to continue on and, you know, leave sin at the door and 
uh, you're at the foot of the cross, you know, and continue with uh, our, our life of sanctification because we can grow. And, you know, that's what God calls us to do. You know? A good reminder, the victory's already been won right. over, over sin, right. Satan, and death. So it's like, yeah, we, we have our battles, but they're, they're not real battles. Right. They're, they're, they're um, earthly battles. They're just little earthly yeah. skirmishes, right? Uh-huh. They, the, the, it's like the, the story of the... Uh, <laughs> The story of in World War II, there was like a, there was a soldier, I think, on one of the small Philippine islands from the Japanese Empire. This one guy mm-hmm. was holding out until like 1972 or something. Some ridiculous, like 25 years later, he's still yeah. fighting World War II. Right. Just one guy. Yeah. And those are the kind of battles that Satan's fighting with us right now. Mm-hmm. The war's been done for 2,000 years, but yeah. Satan's having his little day. Mm-hmm. That's what they literally call it. He's having his little day. Yeah. And, and we feel the, the brunt of that, and it weighs on us. But that shows the amazing, uh, the amazing sort of provision of God's love and mercy in the victory for us that we don't even see. Mm-hmm. Like, we're so affirmed in the victory of Christ that it's just become a part of our reality, and we just like, we're like, oh, Jesus, where are you? It's like, I am literally all around you and in you and, and in front of you and behind you and beside you through all of this, and you don't see me at all. My forgiveness totally inundates and floods your whole life. Mm-hmm. And you're worried about this little teeny tiny skirmish battle yeah. of this one guy who's holding out hope that there might be something mm-hmm. when the, the victory's been won. It's yeah. Like, that yeah. gives some that gives some bearing on how how we are to confront those temptations and challenges in our life. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, they're present. And yeah, they're challenging. But God's love for you is so much bigger. Yeah. So yeah, and I think sometimes, uh, you know, as we think about it, maybe from a psychological perspective, we, you know, we think of like quitting something. And so, you know, kind of like how long can I go without doing this thing? And you're, cal- you know, counting the days and all this stuff. And sometimes I think uh, for our recognition of forgiveness, it's, it does what Jesus does here, where you have to still be like, yeah, that is a temptation. Yes, I did do that, you know, or I can do that. And that is there. But that Jesus is greater than that, mm-hmm. you know, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, it kind of goes against maybe our cultural perspective on what that looks like to, you know, uh, repent and um, go ag- against the temptations that we experience. But, you know, knowing that Jesus has power in our everyday life, in our everyday decisions. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, I think that's just an important thing to recognize. Yeah. All right, um, moving on past the John chapter 11 now, as we come into the next week on the topic of forgiveness, are there any encouragements that you would like to give to the people listening or, or to our congregation at large about this week ahead, hmm. based on what you know of the forgiveness week yeah, from yeah. the challenge? Uh, this is definitely a good week. You know, if there's people in your life that you, uh, you know, sit down and maybe that's just relationships that have been broken or things that have been hurting you know it's a time to kind of reflect on that and go back to those people and um you know offer them that forgiveness that you've been offered uh and really just take that time to uh kind of reconcile with that i don't think i don't think we do that too much in just our everyday life so this is one of those opportunities that you have um to really reflect on that and you know and then the same thing uh, of doing that in your own life, of going to Christ and, you know, reconciling um, and receiving his forgiveness and, um, you know, continuing on with mm-hmm. uh, the life of 
being a disciple. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's a, a great, I mean, and I think the process of forgiving others begins with the process of seeking forgiveness from Christ first mm-hmm. for your own shortcomings and sins. I think that um, when Christ gave the command to the disciples to forgive sins, he, he didn't just base that on the fact that, that they should do that. He said, because I have forgiven you, you must forgive others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's sort of the, 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 the logical and natural progression is that forgiveness flows from on high to us as individuals and then mm-hmm. it flows out yeah. to those around us. And so uh, as you begin this week of forgiveness, start in the Word and in prayer, as we've always done with yeah. this being yeah. thing. Then start with repentance and confession. Um, it doesn't have to be some major thing, but just the acknowledgement, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Receive that receive that forgiveness from Christ um, Sunday morning. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Uh, that's a good place <laughs> to get it. If you doubt it, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. If, you have, if you need that physical, tangible yeah. thing to grasp hold of to assure yourself of God's forgiveness, mm. that's a good, good way to get it. Um, and then from that forgiveness, allow that forgiveness to pour out of you horizontally to the world around you, to people who have relationships with you that maybe they're not even broken. Maybe they're just strained. Yeah. Maybe there's a conversation which is too tender in the relationship to have. Um, great opportunity to bring some healing to those mm-hmm. kind of wounded places and, yeah. and people. So, yeah, definitely uh, big encouragements. I know Pastor Doug, too, has a lot of encouragement for our congregation this coming week. and. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions or if you have anything to raise about Red Letter Challenge at all or this week of being that we're going in right now or the week of forgiveness, please let us know. At uh, You can email us at churchoffice at kokstl.org and, uh, or, or give us a call. We'd love to talk to you too. Yeah. Um, it's It truly is a, a blessing to to see a community of faith that can forgive. And I think we have one. I think that King of Kings is really a pretty uh, repentant uh, congregation and receiving of individualized forgiveness, but we would love to see sort of a a flood of that horizontal forgiveness going on. Some of those unspoken things in relationships between people and families, people in our family of faith here, um, they can begin this week. So I think that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Hopefully Spirit uses this time, these 40 days here. Absolutely. All right. Um, that'll bring us to the end of our time. I guess let's close in a prayer. Would you mind leading us in prayer? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for the Red Letter Challenge, uh, for King of Kings, and for our opportunity to look into the words that you've given us in your scripture. I ask that you would guide us this week as, um, as we finish the, our week of being and as uh, we continue being with you and as we look towards uh, the forgiveness that you have freely given us. I ask that you would um, use your Holy Spirit to work in the lives of, of those in our community. Um, just work in our, our hearts to recognize the forgiveness that you have freely given us. Um, and then help us to share that forgiveness with those in our lives and the relationships that we have. 
um, and just continue to build us into a, a community of, of forgiving people, a community of faith um, that, that you have already done and you will continue to do. Um, and so we just thank you for this opportunity. I ask that you'd be with all of us as we continue reading and give us the, uh, the time to do that, give us the ability to do that, and um, just give us the joy that um, comes out of this challenge. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right, have a great day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad that you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can catch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Thursday mornings, and we'll post the podcast on Fridays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.